Mic check. Mic check. One, two, one, two. Mic check. One, two, one, two. Let me fix the mic. Had an epic pregame. Epic pregame. But we about to get into this episode. Had the Hennessy flowing. Had the Henny flowing. But we got to get to this episode. Let's go. It's a taste sick and sit a podcast. Yes. We back for another episode. Let's go. Let's get it. Hop off a 16 passenger. This a G5. No, this not a challenger. Big one. I keep some members with me in the fridge. The coat seats. They some cannibals. Eaters. They like the geek geek. Drink a whole bottle. Wake up and repeat. Damn. She took a look. Mixed it with the chill out. Now she say she said 3D. Wow. I go in the jungle and they got a coat. I bet I come out with a me. I bet I do this shit for the fam. Cause this shit bigger than me. Big. Color stones in my infinity link. And in the factory masterpiece. I call on twin. Could that be my brother? We got the same roller. He matching me. Nah. For real, water on me like the sun. Of sun carry some pointers. Ooh. All these commas, I want fun from me. Go gunners out the jump. We buy it all, fuck a front of nigga. Cake on me, no fun. Cash drop top, feeling like stunner. Drop top, get deep, play no runner. We gon' chrome my wallet, Ooh. smoke my pilot. Ooh. Take the revive to the trappings. Trappy, nigga, one shit. shit. I was outside just serving the Say, stick and sit a podcast. Nigga made one wrong move, jet poppy. Living on broke with the whole flooded out in the hotel lobby. It's crowded. Diamonds be dancing like Bobby. They dance. Don't touch a dick like if you cocky. Don't touch it. Shroom and GC depart. We geek it. Bitches gon' trend on the top. Keep trending. The way I pull up, I'ma pop it and none of these niggas gon' stop. Pull up. Gone. Put that shit on, get a cup for the drip. I'm a motherfucking five. Kilo. Keep stacking your bank, I'll get bigger. Go. Never will. I throw some shit on no nigga. On tank. Little nigga don't blow with these niggas. No. I see the big picture. We up on these niggas. The huncher, the one you gon' call on me, nigga. Yo. I got your back, you gon' follow me, nigga. Wow. When I get up, we gon' Ball on these niggas, fucking shit up cause we beat out the system. Water on me, like the sun of sun, carry some pointers. All these commas, I won't fun for me. Say sick and shit up, all, fuck a front of nigga. Cake on me, no fun of cash. Drop top, feeling like stunner. Drop top, get deep, play no runner. We gon' chrome my wallet, smoke my pilot, take the revive to the trappings. Nigga, one shit, I was outside just serving narcotics. Pay me that stick, nigga made one wrong move, jet poppy. Living on bro with the whole flooded out in the hotel lobby. Taste took and sit a podcast. We are back for another episode. Let me officially introduce the show. Let's go. It's a taste to consider podcast. I'm your host, Derek Silver, and we are back. Back for another episode. Yes, back for another episode. Another episode that's not part of the Lead Me, Guide Me series. (laughs) Yes, the Lead Me, Guide Me series is done with. Is it? For now, maybe. For now, maybe. You know what I'm saying? I might do a reboot. <laughs> might be a reboot of the Lead Me, Guide Me series. But we here now. Let's say it's to consider podcast. 
Saturday, March 11th. We are back for another episode. Yes, I had an epic pregame before this episode. So epic. I didn't even know if I was going to (laughs) record. It was probably going to be close to a too lit, too fast episode. I got the Henny flowing, VSOP, you know, treated myself today for this episode. So we're going to get into it. Yes. Let me see where I'm at. All right. So I think I'm on what? Episode 92, episode 93. So I'm coming upon episode 100, my 100th episode. So I've been trying to think of what I'm going to do for my 100th episode. I was thinking about it a lot yesterday for some reason. Um, Some things that came to my mind, I was like, you know what I'm saying, am I going to do like a giveaway or if I'm going to do something special for the episode? But I definitely want to do something. But I'm I'm sitting and waiting. I'm waiting to see if something's going to come to me. Something, you know what I'm saying, Um, something that feels right. And something did come to me yesterday, but I got to see if it's if it's if it's perfect, like if it's going to come together perfectly. And honestly, it don't even got to be perfectly. I just want to see I'm going with the idea popping in my head. And I feel like this is a I feel like this is a perfect situation for my 100th episode. So I'm sitting here and I'm. And I'm like, I'm weighing the options on on if it'll work or not. So I'm trying my best not to put too much of my myself, well, not even myself, but my mind into it. So I'm like, yeah, this is a good ass idea. What came to me yesterday, because I was on the road driving and it just popped in my head. I was like, damn, that would be a good ass idea for my 100th episode so i'm gonna see i'm gonna see if it works it works out um the idea that popped in my head factors in um other people so you know that's where the sticky points come in that's where the where the situation gets a little sticky because the idea that's popping in my head involves other people so i'm like is this gonna work out according to plan but still, I feel like when when that idea popped in my head or, you know what I'm saying, it gave, like, I got some chills over my body. I got chills over my body. So I was like, yeah, this feel like this is the, the, right, the right idea for my 100th episode. So we'll see. We'll see. But I just wanted to keep, you know what I'm saying, I wanted to put it out there, keep it in mind for people to – to hear and to, you know what I'm saying, get into their minds that my 100th episode is coming up. 100th episode of A Taste to Consider podcast. I believe I'm on like 93, episode 93. So it was like seven more episodes until I reach 100th episode. But I just feel like, I feel like this idea that, that hit me yesterday, it is like a great ass idea so we'll see we'll see but i'm sure everything will work out according to plan and you know what i'm saying i'm just gonna let it flow i'm gonna let it flow i'm not gonna put my no pressure on myself to 
provide anything um, particularly extravagant or special for the 100th episode. I'll just see how it plays out. I'm just going to see how it plays out. But the 100th episode is coming up. Shout out to all the listeners on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Amazon, and all of the watchers on YouTube. Um, all of Shout out to all the new subscribers, all of the new listeners, and all that good stuff. Shout out to all the people who stopped listening to me because they didn't agree with something that I talked about or whatever. You know, you know how it goes. <laughs> I'm of the mindset since I've been doing since I've been podcasting podcasting I've been podcasting since 2017 with the unproductive and unapologetic podcast which is now the unapologetic the unproductive and unapologetic network with all of the different podcasts under it um Three stars, two bars, unprocessed knowledge, uh, separate the two, reservation for three. Uh, those are the active podcasts right now under the network. So check those out there under the under the streaming networks. You know, just you can do your Googles, look them up or whatever, wherever you stream your podcast. Um, but yeah, shout out to everybody who support, liked, and share and all that other stuff. Shout out to dope black podcast dope black pods on instagram um my last two episodes part three and part four of lead me guide me was featured on that page so shout out to um dope black pods um i'm just trying to put in that work you know what i'm saying focus on being disciplined focus on being consistent with everything so you know what i'm saying I know when I'm on my game, people notice. So, you know what I'm saying? Shout out to everybody who listen, share, like, download, all that good stuff. And for the um the new listeners, new viewers and all that other stuff, on the streaming services, you know, uh you can download the podcast, you can download it, listen to it and then undownload it so it can be off your phone. So, downloading it is important for the simple fact that it helps with the numbers and stuff like that not to say that i'm really pressed about it but you know what i'm saying if you want to support if you actually support the podcast and want to support the podcast you know i'm all for people doing it in their own way and you know so you can download it listen to it and then undownload it it's like you can just hit your hit your finger on the phone simple as that it's real easy Real easy. Whatever uh, streaming service you on, you can hit it, listen to it, and then hit it again and it's off your phone. And even if you don't listen to it, because like I said a couple of episodes ago, it's a lot of people that I know that um, don't listen to the podcast every episode, but they make sure that they download it every time so that I get the numbers. Um, yeah, so make sure you sub- subscribe on the YouTube page. It takes to consider network. Um, yeah. So we here. Look, I said I was getting a little tired of the 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 lead me guide me series. I wanted to get back to to the formula that or the 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 program or the routine that I'm usually in because you know what I'm saying? I'm just I don't want to be 
boxed into just talking about relationship shit. I don't want to be boxed into the people, not that I care about what people think, but you know, people always got something to say about people with podcasts and with a mic and all that other stuff. But I want to talk about a multitude of things that I'm into and I'm into everything. So this episode is not going to be what you've heard the past four episodes. Excuse me, burp number one. Burp number two, 12 minutes in. So you know I had an epic pregame. So I actually had to sit down and write an outline for this episode since it was actually not just based on lead me, guide me, leading and submission and masculinity and femininity and all that. That are good stuff. Not to say that I don't think that stuff is important, but I just don't want to be all focused on that stuff all the time. Um, Like I said, I'm not saying that I won't come back to the stuff at some point. And honestly, like every episode is going to have some shit about some relationship stuff because most of the content that I talk about and that I pull up on the show is coming from social media. It's coming from, you know what I'm saying, stuff that is relevant or stuff that people is focusing on or talking about at the moment. So, you know what I'm saying, there's always going to be some stuff about that. So, let me actually look at the outline that I wrote down as opposed to just in my phone. So, all right. <laughs> it seemed like it's been a minute since I've actually looked at a at an outline that I wrote out. But we're going to start with the Chris Rock, Will Smith shit. <laughs> So Chris Rock had his Netflix special, and I watched it. Um, I watched it live. Actually, I watched it. I actually watched it live on Netflix when it happened in real time. Um, And it was interesting because I'm not going to sit here and say that I never was a Chris Rock fan. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't a fan of his comedy or anything. I definitely was a fan of his comedy. Um, he has some legendary classic comedy specials, um, particularly back when he was doing them on HBO and stuff like that. So I was looking forward to this one. Particularly, I was looking forward to it just the same reason that everybody else was looking forward to it, because they wanted to hear what he was going to say about the Will Smith slap incident during the uh, Oscars. So, in the midst of the um, the comedy special, I definitely had moments where I laughed. You know what I'm saying? That I some of the jokes were funny, but I didn't feel like it was a I didn't feel like it was a classic Chris Rock comedy special. Like I felt like um, he was a little unsure of himself. I felt like. Um, you can tell in certain in certain moments of the comedy special that he was he even referenced it during the live special about you know what I'm saying how he messed up some of the jokes or whatever. So I thought you know what I'm saying he had some good jokes, but I also thought some of the stuff was um it was distasteful like. 
um, when he started talking about the Michael Jackson shit, when he uh, compared Michael Jackson to R. Kelly, I was like, come on, bro. Like, we actually know R. Kelly was convicted of stuff. And we actually know Michael Jackson wasn't convicted. We actually heard plenty of scenarios where these people came out and said that they lied on Michael Jackson. But he continuously, like, even before this this uh, particular comedy special, like, Chris Rock has made it a point to talk about Michael Jackson. And, like, I'm just, I always looked at Chris Rock, um, well, I ain't going to say always, but most recently, I looked at Chris Rock like, who, like, you can tell that Chris Rock was bullied at some point in his life, and it he internalized it, and it got to the point where he internalized it so much where he got to the point where when he became a comedian and he was famous and stuff like that, where he started taking it out on black people. Like, you can definitely, well, I ain't going to say you, but I definitely can see, and I've had conversations with people about it, that you can definitely see where Chris Rock was definitely bullied or picked on at some point in his life. And he got to the point where he became famous and all that other stuff, and he started taking it out on the, you know what I'm saying, black people. And you can... To me, I can see like he has a disdain for black people or a certain certain type of black people, and he makes a lot of jokes about them and stuff like that. Like a lot of the stuff you can tell was personal. Like even before he got to the point where he started talking about Will Smith, like you can tell like a lot of the jokes and stuff was personal like he had a lot of anger he internalized a lot of stuff like he was angry like this this live special on netflix you can tell he was angry um even before he got to the will smith stuff and when he got to the will smith stuff you can definitely see and feel the anger even hear the anger and when you start talking about Jada Pinkett and stuff like that, you can have all the opinions you want and stuff about Jada Pinkett. And I talked about it even, you know what I'm saying, when all that controversy was happening with her and August Alstina and the entanglement and all that other stuff. So I get it. I get it. I get where he was coming from. But you can tell that he had like a very, he had, a, I don't, I don't know if I want to say hatred, but you can tell that he definitely has some sort of animosity towards Jada Pinkett Smith. <laughs> and then even after Will Smith slapping him, that kind of like infuriated him even more. Because he was sitting there calling Jada Pinkett all these bees and all this other stuff. And it's crazy because, like, even seeing, seeing the special and then going on social media afterwards and seeing people's comments and stuff like that, particularly on Twitter, you'll see all these people talking about some protect black women and all this other stuff like that. But then you'll see a lot of black women rooting Chris Rock on for the things that he was saying about Jada Pinkett 
And he was like literally calling her out of her name, like ferociously. Even Will Smith, he was doing that, calling Will Smith a B, a bitch, and all that other stuff like that. And you could tell he still had a lot of anger. And I'm not saying that he wasn't supposed to. Like, you saw a lot of people out there talking about, you know what I'm saying, it's been a year. Why you waiting now to talk about it and all this stuff and stuff? Look, I'm, look, I talk about my uh, mental health issues, how I gone to, through depression and anxiety and stuff like that. I will never sit here and tell anybody um, how long they should hold on to something and stuff like that. Because it's a process when you go through healing periods and stuff. So I get it. You can take all the time you need with with whatever trauma you've experienced. But my whole thing is you just not supposed to attach yourself to it. So I'm not I'm not sitting here saying that he has attached himself to it. You know what I'm saying? But all I'm sitting here saying is that I get it. I get the fact that it's it's only been a year and you finally have a a live platform to address it. So I'm not arguing that. I'm not arguing that. Like you can have your platform, you can do whatever you want to do because that happened to you. I'm not sitting here like I've gone through people telling me, why don't you just get over it? Why you know what I'm saying? Life is short. Um it's not that serious. I've had people say things like that to me when I've gone through depression or anxiety and stuff like that. I get it. At some point, you have to heal, but you also have to go through it. You you can't hold on to situations and and sit here and not talk about it. So that might be Chris Rock's therapy to talk about the situation publicly because, shit, him getting slapped was public. You know what I'm saying? Millions of people saw him getting slapped on TV and in person. So now he has a moment where he can address it in public and in person. So I ain't got no argument on that. I don't have no argument on that. The only thing that I feel like was distasteful was him calling Jada Pinkett a bitch, calling Will Smith a bitch or whatever. I get the anger, but I just feel like a lot of a lot of it was distasteful. I definitely feel like it was distasteful. I feel like, you know what I'm saying, um, overall the comedy special, I feel like it was okay. Like it wasn't the best of Chris Rock. Um, I definitely feel like he was off his game. Like he he stumbled on his jokes a few times. Like and he and he said it. He he said it during that live episode. He at one point he was like, I messed up on this joke or whatever. So you can definitely see like during the comedy special that he wasn't very confident in his jokes or he wasn't very sure of himself. So I get that. You know what I'm saying? You was slapped on TV. That can take that's that's a lot for a man. But that's a lot for a man to be slack slapped, <laughs> smacked, bitch slapped, whatever you want to call it. That's a lot. For it to happen to you, Perry, and then for it to happen to you on national television. That is emasculating. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? I get all of that. And, you know what I'm saying? Um, let me pull up some of these clips so I can talk about them. All right. But let me read this. Let me read this uh, excerpt from this book from the uh, 
the laws of human nature that I've that I've read. And because you know what I'm saying, Chris Rock's whole comedy special was called Selective Outrage. And I find it funny how well I don't well I do find it funny how everybody has latched on to this this quote unquote selective outrage stuff. And this and this is why I talk about with this labels and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Everything has already been out here, but we attach labels to stuff and we make it seem like it's something new and it's not. So let me read this excerpt from this book. It says, as part of this attitude, you are giving people the same level of indulgence that you give yourself. For instance, we all have a tendency to do the following. When we make a mistake, we attribute it to circumstances that push us into doing it. But when others make a mistake, we tend to see it as a character flaw, as something that flowed from their imperfect personality. This is known as the attribution bias. You must work against it. With an empathic attitude, you consider first the circumstances that might have a might have made a person do what they did, giving the same benefit of the doubt as you give yourself. And I think that's very key. Like we talk, everybody been talking about the selective outrage shit. And even before the selective outrage stuff, people always had all these different type of labels and stuff for um, the pot calling the kettle, right? So I look at it like it's a, a mirror outrage. It's a mirror outrage because when it comes down to it, we are all unique beings, right? We are all unique individually. But we aren't all unique when it comes to humanly. When it comes to human nature, we all have the same traits, right? We all have the same traits humanly. Although we have our uniquely individual traits, when it comes to human nature, we all do the same thing. We all do the same thing. We've all experienced the same thing. We've all seen the same things to some degree, right? But when we experience these these similar things or we've gone through these similar things, and stuff like that, we have different perspectives on it. We perceive it different, differently. You know what I'm saying? We project it differently. So when it comes down to human nature, we all do the same shit. We all do the same shit. We've all experienced the same stuff in, in different ways. Trauma is trauma. Abuse is abuse. Love is love. Happiness is happiness. Joy is joy. But we all see it differently. It's a mirror. So we all have these. You want to talk about selective outrage. We all have this mirror outrage. We all do the same things. We all do the same things. We all experience the same things. We all ex we all experience sadness. We all experience happiness. We all experience joy. We all experience trauma. But we perceive it in different ways. So. We need to stop jumping on this bandwagon of selective outrage and start looking at it as mirror outrage, literally. Because with our relationships with ourselves, with our relationships with other people, whether it's our family, work relationships, 
random people on the streets, romantic relationships, partnerships. It's all the same thing, but we we perceive it in different ways. So let me pull up. Let me start pulling up these clips. All right. The negative things we think about black people, this fucker. You're saying I'm a nigger. Yes, you are the niggerest fucking white man <laughs> I have ever. Oh, amazing. I don't think he, he could do that. Oh, what? Uh, I don't think he has those There's qualities. Only two. You, I, that, I mean, that I'm no, you don't even understand. Really? You don't, you don't really know him. Like, I've worked with him. No, like you're been no. about. Uh, no. I wouldn't use it anywhere. No, exactly. These two, these two. We say nigger on stage. On stage. <laughs> you guys don't. That's interesting two teams here. That's the difference between. That's right. That's right. We say nigger on stage, you guys don't. But that's definitely a pairing. Who, who we says say, nigger on stage? We don't. Well, you just did. Yeah, That's right. He, uh, yeah. You and me say no, nigger no, in not, private. No, no. These, two guys, <laughs> these two guys don't. I don't believe he says it in private. I'm giving it up just because it's played. I don't believe it's... Yeah. I don't think you've ever said it probably in your life. No, I don't never. Think, no. Yeah, that's a, that's a big, huge difference between you and me, I think. Well, you found the humor of it. Yeah. I haven't found it. Right. Nor do I seek it. Can I squeeze? You know what though, Jerry? All of a sudden, having a great nigger bit would be pretty amazing. Oh, yeah, it would it'd be. be amazing. Oh, it'd be amazing. amazing because he retired it. Yeah, he retired. This was Chris Rock. I played this clip before in a past episode. This was Chris Rock sitting in the room with three other white dudes. He's the only black dude in the room. Um, one of the comedians I know for sure was Jerry Seinfeld, and he was the one that said, I never found the humor in using the word or and all that other stuff. The word meaning nigger. And this is this is when I first saw this video, this is when I lost a lot of respect for Chris Rock. And for my blackity black woke people, they feel the same way because since the live episode has come out, they've been posting this clip all over Twitter. Instagram, Facebook, all that. But Chris Rock to me shows that he's the he he was definitely, like I said, he was definitely bullied a lot by his fellow black people. And now he's in a position where he can rub the elbows with with you know what I'm saying, white people and famous white people and stuff like that. And even Chris Rock shows that he's high society now. Like even the fact uh, with his comedy special, he seemed kind of off in his comedy special. You can tell that he's not so attached to the black community. And I've heard other stories from other celebrities talk about how Chris Rock is portrayed I won't say portray, but acts as though that he's, you know what I'm saying, above other black people. And I can I can see that and I can understand, you know what I'm saying, if you've been bullied and stuff like that and you've never addressed those issues, healed from them and stuff like that, then you will want to take, particularly if you're as talented as Chris Rock is when it comes to comedy, when it comes to your your tongue, that you would take these things out on other black people, right? So 
And there is a select few of black people in this world, in society, that are more in tune with satisfying or being embraced by white society as opposed to their own community and pandering or pleasing to that other side. And I'm not sitting here saying that's a fact of Chris Rock, but that's the feeling that I'm getting from him. You know what I'm saying? You can be out of touch. You can be so famous and so rich to a point where you are out of touch with what's going on in your actual community. So Chris Rock's sitting in this room with three other white dudes, and they sitting here saying nigger and nigger or whatever. Mine is Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld was like, I'm not touching it. I don't find the humor in it, and I'm not seeking the humor in it. Jerry Seinfeld is very smart. <laughs> I mean, shit, Jerry Seinfeld did a whole album with Wale. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like Chris Rock has a lot of trauma with that he's gone through in his life when it comes to maybe being picked on and bullied and stuff by black people where he's in a position, where he got to a position, and he's in a position now to be the bully and you know what i'm saying how i talk about it all the time we got to stop looking at these celebrities as if they're angels or or if they're 100 perfect and stuff like that they're humans just like us so they've gone through things they they can project things they feel things they get angry they get mad they they can seek revenge and retaliation and stuff like that so that's when I saw that clip, that's when I started falling off on Chris Rock. But I got another clip. So, um, let me see. Since um, Chris Rock has had the special and stuff like that, it has come out that Will Smith, um, and this isn't his words, this is the report. The report is that Will Smith is not happy. Um, he is he is embarrassed and um, what what he say? Um, his feelings is hurt and he's embarrassed by you know um, Chris Rock's comedy. So it, I'm gonna pull up the the actual report on what Will Smith said. This is not actually Will Smith saying it. So. Like, I kind of take this as a, with a grain of salt because it's a report and it's alleged that someone spoke from his camp on how Will Smith actually feels about Chris Rock's um, special and the things that he said. So I'm going to pull that up and then um, I'll comment on that. (laughs) But it, it is it is weird to me, though, how, you know, what I'm saying we talk about this selective outrage and stuff and how, you know, last episode I talked about the laws of human nature and stuff like that. And I talked about the, the, the biases that I read in that book. And there's definitely a lot of biases. And I will not sit here and say that I don't have no biases. I already told you that. I have a bias against Chris Rock because of that particular clip that I just played. And I definitely have a bias of support 
to Will Smith, you know what I'm saying, because um, I've always been a fan of Will Smith. But I think a lot of people aren't honest and truthful about their biases that they have with this situation. And that is part of human nature. You are naturally going to have a bias. And that bias is going to come from the things that you've gone through, your perspectives, where you are mentally, where you are emotionally and stuff like that. And a lot of people just aren't honest about that. They will they will try to make it facts as opposed to a bias. And it's okay to have a bias. You know what I'm saying? That's just part of human nature. It's okay to have a bias. But um, going back to um, Chris Rock's special and talking about the Michael Jackson stuff, Taj Jackson, Michael Jackson's nephew, Tito's son, you know, um, made a statement talking about how, you know, Chris Rock has done this for a while, you know what I'm saying, making comments about Michael Jackson and his uncle and stuff like that. And and this is what pisses me off about a lot of, like, people who have these platforms and stuff like this, whether it's Chris Rock or um, another celebrity or another podcaster that has popularity or or a large following and stuff like that. A lot of the people who follow you or listen to you and stuff like that, they will take the things that you say and run with it. They won't look up anything for themselves and stuff like that. And that's why I always talk about what a taste to consider podcast is about. I'm not trying to convert you. I'm not trying to change your thoughts or anything. I'm just trying to introduce something to you. My whole point of this podcast is to make you think for yourself to have a conversation because one of the things I feel is missing from society as a whole is having conversations. We're so caught up into debating and who's right and who's wrong or who has a higher stature and all this other stuff that we don't actually have conversations and understand that everybody has a different perspective on things. Everybody uh, had a different walk of life a different life path and stuff like that where we don't take into account that all of us are living this life on this planet together that everybody has a stake in this game everybody has a role in this game everybody has some wisdom in this game everybody has some knowledge in this game but Taj Jackson you know what I'm saying he called out Chris Rock he said for decades let me read. He says, uh, Chris Rock has used my family as a punching bag for his entire career. Yet I am supposed to feel bad for him getting slapped and humiliated on the Oscars. After seeing a new clip of him attacking my dead uncle in the first minutes of, quote, retaliation, I'm still relevant special. I have three things to say. One, what did my family ever do to you to warrant these decades of harassment and your constant bullying disguised as jokes. Two, just because you were bullied early on in your life doesn't give you the excuse to bully others. Three, thank you, Will Smith. I'm not condoning or totally agreeing with everything that Taj Jackson says. Um, what I will say is that what I found was interesting was during this live comedy special was the fact that Chris Rock walked out with a Prince chain on the chain that he had on was of print symbol. And we all know that, well, I ain't going to say we all know, but if you don't know, 
there's this constant battle of who's better, Prince or Michael Jackson. And a lot of people don't know how to just separate it from artistry. They make it competitive and they take it too far. And they try to make it a bashing of, so to speak, of Prince fans going against Michael Jackson fans and Michael Jackson fans going against Prince fans. There's only select few. And I will say that it's only select few. But it is real. Like, there are Prince fans out here that will slander and say bad and distasteful things about Michael Jackson just for the sake of them being Prince fans and vice versa. And that's not cool because Prince and Michael Jackson uh, that we know didn't have any issue between each other. They actually were supposed to work on a song together. I referenced this on a past episode. Excuse me. Burp number three and four. They were supposed to work together at some point. They both acknowledge each other's greatness. And I'm not sitting here saying that, you know what I'm saying, I know totally everything that go went on in their minds. And if they, you know, had any internal beef or anything like that. But people outside of these celebrity issues tend to make it more serious than what it really is or what the celebrities make it to be. Because when it comes down to it, if you really look at Michael Jackson's and Prince's career, in the latter parts of their career, they were speaking a lot of the same things. Ownership, how the record labels try to abuse you and use you and take from you. So they had a lot of the same ideologies. And this goes back to even when you think about Martin and Malcolm or whatever. And this is something that I've talked about before. We've, we always get into our quote-unquote culture, our black culture, our quote-unquote African-American culture. Of It's always a fight. It's always a competition. LeBron and Jordan. Kobe and Jordan. Kobe and LeBron. You know what I'm saying? It's always this in our in our quote unquote culture, this competition of who's better than who. We can't ever just understand that we have a multitude of great and talented and respected and knowledgeable and wise people in our quote unquote culture and that everybody has value. And that's why we will never get nowhere. And I'm not going to get all into that, you know what I'm saying? But I just wanted to point that out. But, all right, let me see. Moving along from the uh, Taj um, statement. And uh, I believe I have another clip. But it just always seemed like Chris Rock definitely wants to cater or, well, I'm going to just keep it there. He wants to cater to a white audience. He wants to cater to a white audience because he knows that's where the money is. And even and, and just, just thinking about this whole incident period, like you can sort of look at this, this situation as Chris Rock 
played the game of business. He played the game of business where he sat back and he was like, okay, this situation happened to me. Yeah, I'm pissed off about it. It, it made me, it, it pissed me off. It made me angry and all this other stuff. But I'm also part of Hollywood and I know how the business runs. So I'm going to play the game as well. So he waited a whole year to see who's going to give him the best offer of money to address this. Because Chris Rock has been torn ever since the slap. Like, him doing this live Netflix special wasn't the first time he's been on stage since the slap. He's been torn ever since. But certain aspects of that live comedy special were exclusive to Netflix as opposed to his other tour dates before the live session. So Chris Rock played this to his advantage as well. So he's not totally a victim. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to sit here and take away from what happened to him, but I'm not going to sit here and also say that he didn't play this to his advantage. One of the things that this was like his last his last joke of the um the com the live comedy special when he was talking about some you know um he said you don't fight in front of white people and I'm like bruh you sat here and said all that you said that last line talking about some you don't fight in front of white people but you humiliated other black people in front of these white people like and this is what pisses me off about society as a whole when it comes to words and actions society wants to make actions 100 percent more important than words words matter just as much as actions they hold the same weight they do they hold the same weight whether you want to agree with it or not they hold the same weight because to somebody words hurt more than physical actions And to some people, physical actions hurt more than words. But you can't sit here and quantify that for everybody because that's what it is for you. That's where it comes with this mirror outrage shit. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, we all have had, we've all have gone through similar situations at some point in our lives. But we look at them different. So we got to stop sitting here trying to take everything from somebody. Trauma is trauma. Sadness is sadness. Happiness is happiness. Joy is joy. It is what it is. But we always try to solely focus on our individual selves and sit here and say, well, you know what I'm saying? Oh, you had both of your parents in your life, but I didn't. So my situation is worse worse and you don't even know what the other person has gone through you know what i'm saying we sit here and do a lot of projecting we do a lot of assuming on other people's lives and we don't really we didn't put our feet in their shoes and even if we did we still wouldn't see it the same way that they see it because there are a they are a uniquely different individual it's just what it is. Chris Rock was sitting here calling Jada Pinkett Smith a, a a bitch and Will Smith a bitch and all that other stuff while his mother was in the audience. Talking about some, I don't, 
I don't, my parents told me not to fight in front of white people. And so you can see, see, you can see where Chris Rock's mind is at. So he looks at it as though that white people are the pinnacle. So you shouldn't do these certain things in front of white people. Fuck white people. All people are the same. Yeah, we have different experiences or whatever, but we are all people. We are all humans. So he's still stuck in a, in a mindset of looking at it as though white people are better. So we shouldn't do this in front of white people. Fuck that. That shit sounds stupid as hell. This is no joke. But here goes the next clip. This is from um, this is from uh, Entertainment Tonight. Um, clip talking about how will smith felt about the chris rock episode and all y'all youtubers y'all about to see me walk away because i gotta go to the bathroom so i should be finished before i come back from the clip so let me start adjusting myself to move while i play the clip so i can be back in time <laughs> no you know what i'm saying no, I'm not going to know because I need to hit a clip so I can commentate on it. So we're going to take a break right here and then I'm going to come back and play the clip. Yeah, I was thinking while I was in the bathroom, I'm like, shouldn't you care about what your mother thinks before you care about what the white person thinks? <laughs> but, you know, what I'm saying? this shit just sounds stupid. But um, let me play this clip and we're going to move forward. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Let me fix this microphone. Microphone falling off and shit. <sighs> All right. Got the microphone fixed. Let me play the clip now. I've rooted for Will Smith my whole life. I root for this mother. Okay, and now I, I watch Emancipation just to see him get whooped. Chris Rock took aim at Will Smith during his Netflix comedy special on Saturday, one year after the actor slapped him at the Oscars. <laughs> now a source tells ET, Will is embarrassed and hurt by what the comedian said about him and his family. During the special, Chris Rock and I'm sitting there like, like I already said, I have my biases on the situation. But I'm looking at it like, why are you, Will, why are you embarrassed and hurt by the situation? Like, you you can't take away the fact that you actually slapped this nigga on national television. So why are you embarrassed and hurt by it? Like, you had to understand at some point he's a public figure as well. He has a... He has a stature in Hollywood as well that he was going as to at some point speak his mind about it. Like you don't have to agree with it, but you had to know something was coming. So why are you embarrassed and hurt by it? Like you can't sit here and, and look at it like you the only one that has to go through some sort of healing from the situation. He ha Chris Rock has to do it as well. Whatever way he does it. You know what I'm saying? And I'm a, and I'm not saying that either one of their healing, Will Smith's healing was more perfect than Chris Rock's and Chris Rock's was, healing was better. 
you know what I'm saying? Healing is healing. And people got to go through that journey however they go through that journey. Right. And you'll see you'll see how they come out of out of it afterwards. Reference the cheating rumors that surrounded Will and his wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, in 2020. And his wife was f***ing her son's friend, okay? Now, I normally would not talk about this but for some reason, these put that shit on the internet. I got into an entanglement with August. That's what I said. An entanglement? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. A relationship. Yes, it was a yeah. relationship, absolutely. She hurt him way more than he hurt me, okay? And who's he hit? Me. The special marks the first time Chris has spoken publicly about the Oscars slap. And people like did it. I mean, honestly, when it comes down to it, the person that should be embarrassed and hurt was Chris Rock. I'm pretty sure he was embarrassed as hell that night that he got slapped on national TV. Hurt. It still hurts. <laughs> I got summertime ringing in my ear. I'm, I'm just glad to see after what happened and all the trauma and stuff that he emerged stronger. I'm glad he's... You, now you see, like, the biases, like, the people that they're interviewing right here on this, this particular segment, they have a bias towards Chris Rock. That was Dana Carvey that just spoke, and this is uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and then you'll hear Arsenio Hall and stuff like that. So you'll have people who have their biases, like even in the moment when all this stuff happened, like you had you saw a bias on Will Smith's side where you had Denzel, you had Samuel Jackson, they was um talking to Will, they was hugging him and consoling him and stuff like that. So, you know what I'm saying? People have their biases, you know what I'm saying? I think what's interesting is that people aren't honest about their biases. And they try to make it an opinion or a truth or a fact or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Just say you have a bias. Just say you have a bias. Point blank and period. And the chance to be seen and appreciated. As for Will, he addressed the incident the day after the Oscars on Instagram, offering an apology to Chris. A few months later, after the Oscar winner was banned from attending any Academy events or programs for a decade, he said sorry again in an emotional video shared to YouTube. There is no part of me that thinks that was the right way to behave in that moment. Now E.T. Source says Will hasn't watched the special, but people have told him what Chris said, and Will would like for him to let it go. The source adds that Will has worked on himself and wants Chris to move on so that he... See, you can't tell somebody when to let something go. That's like being in a relationship or a partnership and you cheated, and then you trying to tell the person that you cheated on, um, yeah, you need to stop talking about this. You need to let it go. You need to get over it and all that other stuff. No, you can't do that. You know what I'm saying? Because you can't tell somebody when to let go of their hurt or when to heal from their hurt and their trauma and stuff like that. I've been on both sides of it. You can't, you just can't do that. Um, and like I said, you got to take the sources with a grain of salt. And so you actually hear Will say something then you don't know if he was actually embarrassed or hurt by it or whatever. 
But with Hollywood, it's just always speculation. Just like for years, even before all of this, it was always this talk about Will and Jada having an open relationship. And with all this August Alcina stuff that kind of like confirmed it to, you know what I'm saying, to a degree. And everyone else can too. ET source says Will is also upset that Netflix gave Chris a platform and thinks it's distasteful. And I definitely feel like uh, the jokes that Chris Rock did about Jada and Will and stuff, and even Michael Jackson and stuff was distasteful. Like a, a lot of the stuff, I felt like a lot of the stuff was distasteful in his comedy special. I felt like it was forced, but I'm not going to sit here and say like I didn't laugh at certain things, but I didn't think that it was his best comedy special. And I was, um, <laughs> I was, it should have been more funny to me because I was, um, I had extra motivation to laugh at it. <laughs> if you understand what I'm saying. I know some people may understand, some people don't. But I, in that moment when I was watching it, before I started watching it, I had some extra motivation to laugh at something that should have been funny, but it wasn't that funny. You know what I'm saying? I was, I honestly was falling asleep at certain points of the comedy special. And when I got to the end, when he started talking about Jada and Will and stuff, and Y'all know my views on, on Jada if y'all listen to the podcast for a while. So I'm not particularly the number one fan of Jada Pinkett. So and I felt like some of the stuff that Chris said about her was di very distasteful. While Will may not have been into it, Chris's friends are behind him 100%. See, the biases. No what goes and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, so people will have biases. That is natural. People will have biases on things. We support each other. I support freedom of speech. Obviously, there's no place for violent behavior based on differences in opinion. A source previously told ET, Chris said everything he wanted to say, and now he's ready to move on. Well, only time would tell if he's actually ready to move on from it, right? Only time would tell. So I'm done with that. So moving on to the blackity black woke segment. I'm I'm starting this the blackity black woke segment earlier. So you know what I'm saying? So I can get that out the way for you folks. <laughs> so blackity black woke segment. Man, let's talk about this Mexico, this Mexico stuff. So the stories around this Mexico situation with uh, um there were four people from America, four black people from America that went across the border and two of them were murdered by the cartels and two of them survived. And the story that came out was that it was three guys and one girl. The girl was going over there to get a tummy tuck, cosmetic surgery, and she was one of the people who died. And the other three gentlemen was going with her for support. One of the gentlemen died with her in that situation. So, what's interesting, like, let's, I'm going to go from the angle of that's the story. I have other, other theories on, on let, me, let me just say what my theories are before I go to what I feel like 
or actually what the what the first story we've been told. So my theories are that it was a drug deal gone wrong, or somebody was trying to look for the plug, a new plug, and it didn't go right. So I'm just gonna leave it there. Those are the theories. So with the story that we've been told about the woman going down there for a tummy tuck, right? And if that if that story is actually true, I'm sitting here like, bruh, that is sad. Like, I, I'm all into fitness, bodybuilding, working out, all that stuff. I've been doing it for years. that Over a decade, right? So I'm just like, it's just... You will save a lot of money. And even surgery is very risk is is a risky thing. Is is risky. Having surgery, cosmetic surgery, any type of surgery is risky. So you could just work out. And I'm not I'm not, I'm not trying to judge nobody or nothing like that. I'm just like, if this is the real thing, like you lost your life because you was trying to get a tummy tuck. And there's been plenty of stories like this before, or botched surgeries and stuff like that. I'm just like, bruh, like, you can give yourself a good six months and put in some good work, you know what I'm saying, have somebody, a trainer, or, you know what I'm saying, do your own research and stuff like that, and you can put in some good work, right, without spending a lot of money, and risking your life and i'm just like this situation is so sad it is so sad like man so let me read the report that um let me read the report from it let me see where is that all right this is from the new york post so um it says two mexican kidnapping survivors returned to u.s the two American citizens who were found alive Tuesday after being kidnapped at gunpoint during cartel crossfire in Mexico have been identified and have returned to the U.S., sources say. Latavia T. McGee and Eric James Williams were rushed to the border near. See, so I'm so confused because these names, these names are weird. So I'm, so let me let me backtrack. I don't know who died at this point. I don't know because these names are... It, some of these names are masculine. Some of these names are feminine. So I don't know. You know how, I mean, it is what it is. You know how black people be doing. They just be making up names. So it says Latavia Tay McGee. So that sounds like a woman name. So I'm assuming that the woman still survived. But they said it was one woman, three dudes, all right? And Eric James Williams were rushed to the border near Brownsville, Texas. Tuesday in a convoy of ambulances and SUVs escorted by Mexican military Humvees and National Guard trucks with mounted 50 caliber machine guns. They were found just hours earlier in a rural area of Mo, Mo Matamoros called, uh, man, I ain't reading that shit. <laughs> so it says just hours after the pair were reportedly found at a clinic in the northeastern border city of Matamoros. A source familiar with the investigation so CNN they will receive medical care at a hospital in Texas. One of the survivors is said to be seriously injured, sources told CNN. Okay, so, okay, this, this report is saying a female survivor was found alive. So, I don't know. 
So they say there was three dudes and one woman, and the woman was getting a tummy tuck. So the woman survived, all right? So this is according to New York Post. Now, this is according to New York Post, now to taste to consider podcast or Derek Silver. <laughs> McGee and Williams had traveled to Mexico with pals Saeed Woodward and Zendale Brown so McGee could undergo a cosmetic medical procedure. Okay, so the woman survived. She survived. The woman that was going down there to have the cosmetic surgery, the tummy tuck, she survived. So I was wrong. But it was, it's been so many different reports out here that... I got confused. It says, shortly after they crossed the border from Texas into the crime-ridden border city of Mata Moros, located in the northeastern state of um, Tamaulipas. I don't know. They, <laughs> they were caught in the crosshairs of a shootout between rival cartel gangs. The foursome was then kidnapped at gunpoint by the ruthless thugs. Woodward and Brown were confirmed as deceased Tuesday. Their bodies were will be examined by Texas authorities before being um, sent back to the U.S. All right, so that's from the New York Post. But lately, there's been other reports coming out talking about how the, it says, the this is from the Daily Mail news. It says, four Americans in Mexican kidnapping have lengthy rap sheets. Male survivors sold crack cocaine outside school. One of Men shot dead, was busted for drugs manufacturer, and woman was indicted after daughter eight tested positive for amphetamines. So, like, there's been there's been reports coming out talking about how these four individuals have had lengthy rap sheets based on drug stuff. So this is where I've talked about like the theories, the theories, and this. And I'm saying my theories, my theories are not accurate. They're just my theories, my opinions. Um, so it seemed like they was going down there to find a plug. And that tummy tuck could have been a tummy tuck to put some drugs up in there. Who knows? But like I said, I'm just going off on what the initial reports were that the woman was going down there for a tummy tuck. So... <laughs> See, watching all this snowfall, the wire, and all these drug shows or whatever will make you have these theories. So let's just, like I said, let's just focus on the initial reports of her just going down there for cosmetic surgery and um, a tummy tuck. And there's, like I said, that's sad if that's what she was doing. And, <laughs> bruh, like, seriously, I get it. I get, like, you have... People have insecurities. They have, you know what I'm saying, social media and this microwave society and the microwave thinking and stuff like that where you always want to be competing and making sure that you getting attention or validation based off the physical and stuff like that. But it just ain't worth it. So if, if that initial report was true, like this is another example of why you seeking to have these surgeries and stuff like that is not worth it but i'm gonna move on from that all right blackly black woke segment you know i don't spend a lot of time on these topics i run through them you know what i'm saying it's not about trying to sway you or anything like that it's just pointing some things out to you so march is women's history month so it says headline biden administration honors trans women for international women's day that's all I got for you. And I'm going to leave it there. Moving on. 
<laughs> I'll read it again. Burp number five and six. Burp number seven. Biden administration honors trans women for internationals International Women's Day. And this, this is just stuff that I talked about before, like how they try to erase history. They try to play God and all this other stuff. And they just being very disrespectful to women and natural women and men on this earth. All right. So. I've talked about plenty of times before how the Ukraine stuff and how our government and Biden has been given all these billions of dollars, billions, billions of dollars to Ukraine for this war that we don't know nothing about, that we ain't seen no footage. You got the president of Ukraine or whatever the hell he's called over in Ukraine, Zelensky, all coming over here. During the Grammys, Oscars, whatever award show, coming over here for award shows and all this other stuff, why his country is at war. Make it make sense for you. Make it make sense for me. Because what it looks like is money laundering. And we're going to get to that in, in the next couple of topics. So, Biden giving all this money to the Ukrainians. Ukrainians. But... All he can do for us black people, us African-Americans, us Negroes, is to do a anniversary walk with quote-unquote civil rights leaders down in Selma. That's all he can give us. But remember what he said. You ain't black if you don't vote for me. He can't give us nothing. No reparations, no assistance, no nothing. But he can give Ukrainians all the dollars. All the dollars. <laughs> it's to the point where Ukraine, the Ukrainian government was sitting here saying to the U.S. government, you need to give us the money. And they, they blatantly came out and said, you need to give us the money. Like, they, like the U.S. government is required to give the Ukrainian government the money for this so-called war. And I'm not even going to get into the juice no more. I'm not going to talk about the juice no more. All the all the all the truths have been coming out about the juice lately. All the truths about the juice have been coming out lately about the lab leaks and uh um how it origin originated um the the lies about the adverse effects and all this other stuff. And you know what I'm saying? It, it is what it is. I don't know what else to say. So, Silicon Valley Bank collapses after failing to raise capital. I'm just going to read a little piece of it. It says, Silicon Valley Bank collapsed Friday morning after a stunning 48 hours in which its capital crisis set off fears of a meltdown across the banking industry. Its failure marks the largest shutdown of a U.S. bank since 2008 when Washington Mutual failed during the financial crisis. And let me read that last sentence again. It says its failure marks the largest shutdown of a U.S. bank since 2008 when Washington Mutual failed during the financial crisis. So one of my followers, we follow each other, one of my friends on Instagram they posted 
about this, and they said the bank that processes their company's direct deposits just got shut down because of this. No one got paid that day because of this situation. No one got paid. So you can talk about all the conspiracy theories and all being all woke and being all serious and stuff like that. But this shit is real. This is not a good look. This is not a good look for nobody. I mean, each and every person on this United States, each and every person on this planet that has money in a bank. This is not a good look. This is not good news for none of us. Any of us. Any of us. And going back to the, our government pushing all this money to Ukraine, and like I've, like I've said before and how I talked about how the conspiracy, th- the fellow, my fellow conspiracy theorists and woke people have talked about this financial collapse and this money laundering situation. So you see we, we having this financial, this bank fall apart, but our government is giving all this money to another country that has nothing to do with us. This country, Ukraine, ain't done anything for us. They don't hold no value to us in in no way. But we giving all this money to them, and we got banks collapse collapsing on our soil. We got homeless people on our soil. We got black people on our soil that deserve reparations. We got the Federal Reserve, who is not a government entity raising interest rates for on the american people but hey the new beyonce album about to come out you know what i'm saying rihanna about to go on tour you know um somebody just released a new fashion line whatever that's what's more important right yeah <laughs> oh man so What's going on with all these train derailments? I've been paying close attention to this shit. All these train derailments with all these chemicals and all these chemical explosions on these chemical plants. This shit ain't no coincidence. Every year, during every, no matter what president it is, it's always something. We've gone through the COVID crap. Now we having bank collapses. Now we having all these chemical train derailments and um, chemical plants, explosions. We having the chicken farms um, being having fires and certain catastrophes, egg prices going up, milk prices going up, all this other stuff. This ain't no coincidence. This ain't no coincidence. But. A lot of people are so distracted by trivial things or whatever else is being put out there to us to keep us away from the news that actually is going to affect us in the long term and our children and our children's children, et cetera, et cetera. We ain't paying attention to it's going to be so late. We're going to be so late to the game where we can't do no fighting, no fighting at all. (sighs) 
All right. Ja Morant. I'm going I'm not going to waste too much time on this, but I just thought it was relevant. So Ja Morant going through all he going through, getting caught on his live at the strip club with guns and and reports and incidents about him flashing guns or his entourage flashing guns on 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 other people and him beating up a 17-year-old and all that other stuff and now he's suspended from his team and all this other stuff and Nike coming out making a statement for him and saying they support him and all that other stuff but then you had Kyrie that just reposted something and Nike terminated their agreement with him. They literally gave, like, Ja Morant's new shoe that came out is literally Kyrie Irving's shoe that they was going to release, but they just made it Ja Morant's shoe. So you see the contradiction. Like, yeah, there's selective outrage, but there's also mirror outrage. There's also mirror outrage with all this, like, we we all do the same shit. We all be playing the same games. We all got the same hurts. We all got the same pains and all this other stuff. We all do the same shit. Like, we got to stop this arguing back and forth with each other and understand that we all do the same shit. We all feel the same shit. It's just we look at it a different way and stuff. Like, you know what I'm saying? We doing all this trying to compete who's hurt more and who's whose trauma was more detrimental to them and all this other stuff. But all this shit is the same. All nothing, It's nothing different. It's nothing different. A lot, All of us contradict ourselves. A lot of us are hypocrites. <laughs> like, it, it just, the audacity of all of us to sit here and act as though that we're perfect. Or we're better than each other. Or our pain is much greater than another. Like, the audacity of us. The entitlement of us. <laughs> oh, man. All right, what's next? Ending the, I'm, I'm ending the Black the Black Woke segment. So, I'm going to end it off with this. Is this what I'm ending off? Yeah, I'm going to end it off with this. So Tyler Perry, the report is Tyler Perry is in talks to buy the majority stake in BET. Um, and not only that, um, I also saw a report that Byron Allen um, is also um, in talks to buy the majority stake as well. So they're, they're basically um, bidding on the majority stake of BET. And I think this is a good thing. Like, even if Tyler Perry gets it, like, I don't, you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to say and, and act like I ain't never enjoyed Tyler Perry's stuff. I think some of the stuff that he does is kind of um, coonish. I think uh, some of the stuff is um, pandering or um, st- sticking to stereotypes of black people, but I'm not... But I definitely would want a black person to be in charge of BET because at the moment, in the past couple of years, there's been a white person, a white family, a white corporation, the head of BET. And I will never take anything from Tyler Perry, all the things that he's done. You know what I'm saying? I I don't have to agree with everything that 
he does to support him. I still support Tyler Perry. You know what I'm saying? The great thing that he's done with building his own studio, movies and television studio in Atlanta. And if he get this, and even if Byron Island gets this, this is a big win, you know what I'm saying, um, for the black community, you know, in the sense of having a black person in charge of black media. So shout out to Tyler Perry and Byron Island, whoever, you know what I'm saying, gets the majority stake. Um, I'm 100% behind either one of them, whoever gets it. I'm behind it. And I think that's one of the main messages that people forget or one of the main things that people forget, period, that you can still like somebody and not agree with everything they say. But in the society that we in today and cancel culture and all this other stuff, they make it seem like you have to agree with 100% with everybody, with what everybody thinks, says, and feels or whatever. And that's just not the case. And that's where conversations come in. But we all, in our community, we so steeped into competition and who's better than who and all that other stuff and trying to look smarter and and sound smarter and stuff like that, that we don't understand that everybody has value. Everybody has value. You don't have to agree with everybody to like them. You don't have to like a person to agree with them, agree with them to like them and all that other stuff. Like, Damn, like, our community, quote-unquote community, is just all up. We just too damn focused on competing with each other. The jealousy, the envy, and all that other stuff. It's like we don't understand that multiple people can shine at one time. It's just always somebody focused on being better or protecting themselves or saving themselves and fighting back or whatever man this shit is exhausting and that's why we won't get nowhere as as much as we think that we are in such a a great place because people got money black people got money and all this other stuff we could be in such much more of a power position if we let go of the trauma that we've experienced you know what i'm saying a lot of the culture that we claim is negative it's a negative energy around the culture because it's all steeped in or rooted in competition and envy and jealousy and shit. Shit is stupid. But that's the end of Blackity Black Woke segment. We're going to move on from that and get into some uh, clips. Um, Where I'm at, like a minute and 20 seconds, 20 uh an hour and 20 minutes in. I'm getting a little hungry, so you know what I'm saying? Y'all know. I get hungry and it's about to speed this episode up and and we'll just finish it next time because <laughs> so that's it of the blackity black woke segment. But we're gonna start with a clip. This clip is from Devon Franklin. Um and I came across this clip this week and I thought that like I was like, I can't not let this clip go to waste and save it for a future episode. I gotta use it right now. So here we go. Here's something that nobody's talking about is that relationship management is really trauma management. 
So what do I mean by that? A lot of times you may not even know what your traumas are until you get in a relationship with someone. And as you start sharing that intimate time and you share your heart and you share your emotions, there are things and traumas and pains and wounds from the past that get activated. And you may wonder why are you thinking a certain way or feeling a certain way or this wave of insecurity just came upon you uh, when you're in a relationship and everything's going great. Those are signs that trauma is within you and a lot of times may not come out until you start to share time and space and energy and your heart with someone. Now, here's what I, I believe. Here's what I know. If the person you're with is not affected emotionally by your trauma, if what you've been through doesn't impact them, if they have no empathy or sympathy for what you've been through, may not be the right person for you. Because if you really care about someone and you truly have committed to their well-being, then whatever they've been through, whatever trauma they've experienced, it will affect you. So I've already been talking about mirror, 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 mirror outrage, mirror outrage, mirror, mirror, mirror. And one of the big things and one of the cliche things is always out here that I actually do believe is that relationships, partnerships, whatever you want to call them, you know, I, I, I particularly focus on the partnership aspect, but relationship is important. But, but um, it is a mirror. It is a mirror. It is a mirror because you can sit here all day long and and. and talk about yeah I'm, I'm working on myself uh, you know what i'm saying i'm leaving relationships alone i'm i'm gonna sit back and, and take some time by myself and work on myself or whatever but you won't actually know what you worked on was effective until you actually get into a relationship and i'm not talking just about romantic relationships you won't know if what you worked on or if you're if you actually healed from a situation or if you got more healing to do or if you got some things to tweak out and stuff like that until you actually start dealing with other people and that's why it's so important to to pay attention to your triggers and and not be so caught up into the surface surface aspect of a relationship or a partnership i talk about this all the time like you it's words are important like despite all the bullshit pandering and, and videos and quotes and memes and cliches that's on social media words are important they have meaning they have energy surrounding them so when you look at relationships i will say this over and over again when you look at relationships the root word of relationships is relate so when you focus on just relationships, you look at it like how I'm relating to this person. And that's why I feel like partnerships, when they become, when it's particularly romantically, to focus on partnership as opposed to relationship. You can relate to anybody. I can go out here and find somebody I can relate to. Oh, oh, it's a chick out here that like to drink uh, whiskey. So I'm going to relate to her. So I'm going to have a connection to her. Or I'm going to have some sort of attachment to her because of this. Or some chick out here that likes cigars. So I can relate to that. I'll have a connection with her. I'll have an attachment to her. There's a chick out here that 
gone through depression, gone through anxiety, whatever. You get what I'm saying. So these things are, you know what I'm saying, mirrors. These relationships, these partnerships and stuff like that are mirrors. But a lot of people always want to take the easy route. One, because they aren't self-aware. They aren't, they haven't acknowledged or accepted the fact that they need healing. Everybody needs healing over something. Everybody at some point has gone through a mental health situation. Why? Because all of us have mental health. All of us have a mind. All of us have thoughts. All of us have feelings when it comes to our emotions. So we all have mental and emotional health. <laughs> like, it boggles my mind when when I started, you know what I'm saying, being open about mental health and my mental health issues and stuff like that, that people will actually sit there and make it seem like they never gone through anything before in their life. Just because you haven't been diagnosed doesn't mean you aren't having mental you don't have a mental illness. There's a difference between mental health and mental illness. How can you latch on to or accept the fact that you have physical health and you've gone through physical, some, some physical illness at some point in your life, but it's not the same when it comes to mental health and mental illness or emotional health and emotional illness. Why? Why? Because that's how we've been programmed. We've been programmed, we've been we've been controlled to think that you're crazy if you have a mental illness or an emotional illness or you're tripping or you're too sensitive or whatever, whatever terms that they want to use all the time. Going back to um, the book, one of the books that I've been reading, um, this is from the uh, Anxious, the, uh, um, dang, what's the title of the book? It's my, one of the books that I'm reading about anxious um, attachment styles or whatever. And that's one thing that is very important. Like, people need to understand their attachment styles. So you can go on Google, do your Googles, and type in attachment styles. And you can actually, there's a test that shows you what your attachment style is based off of questions that you have to answer. Well, let me read this. It says, the way that our attachment styles follow us into adulthood define how we relate to our romantic partners. To be sure, our romantic partners are not our mothers or fathers. However, our love interests have a way of becoming our primary sources of strength, security, and emotional validation as adults. Because of this, we tend to replace our parental figures with them as we make our way into the world on our own. I've talked about this plenty of times before. And I, y'all y'all hear me say that all the time on each and every episode because I repeat a lot of the same things that I've said. We look to our partners, we look to our friends, like a, even work relationships, stuff, like it all comes from our foundation. 
It all comes from whatever we gone through in our childhood, our childhood trauma, our childhood experiences. We are living out through adults. Just because we're our age is 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 older or our body is bigger or we're taller or we weigh more and stuff like that, we're still that kid just in an adult body. That's all it is. All right. This is from the um, Human Nature book, the Laws of Human Nature book. I'm going to read this. It says, um, all right, let me pick it up from the actual point. Let me see. Um, It says, for instance, we feel anger at person X. Whereas, in fact, the true source of this may be envy. Below the level of conscious awareness, we feel inferior in relation to X and want something he or she has. But envy is not a feeling that we are ever comfortable with. And so often we translate it as something more palatable, anger, dislike, resentment. Or let us say one day we are feeling a mood of frustration and impatience. Person Y crosses our path at the wrong moment and we lash out. Unaware that this anger is prompted by a different mood and out of proportion to Y's actions. Or let us say that we are truly angry at person Z. But the anger is sitting inside of us caused by someone in our past who hurt us deeply perhaps a parent we direct the anger at z because they remind us of this person in other words we do not have conscious access to the origins of our emotions and the moods they generate once we feel them all we can do is try to interpret the emotion translate it into language But more often than not, we get this wrong. We latch onto interpretations that are simple and that suit us or remain baffled. We don't know why we feel depressed, for example. This unconscious aspect of emotions also means that it is very hard for us to learn from them, to stop or prevent compulsive behavior. Children who felt abandoned by their parents will tend to create patterns of abandonment in later life without seeing the reason. The communicating function of emotions, a critical factor for social animals, also becomes somewhat tricky for us. We communicate anger when it is something else we are feeling or about someone else, but the other person cannot see this And so they react as if personally attacked, which can create cascading misinterpretations. So basically that is saying that all of us on this earth, we have experienced something in our childhood, most of the time with a parent, and we project it on to other people. Why? Because we aren't self-aware in our emotions or feelings. Or we don't acknowledge and accept the fact 
that we've gone through something in our lives. Point blank and period. So we are out here as big kids taking out our frustrations, our feelings, and emotions that we've experienced in the past on people that we have relationships or partnerships with. Next clip. Therapy, counseling, reading, writing, journaling, praying. Uh, we have to do the work required to find healing. Yet I do believe in a great relationship. There will be an environment for that healing. If somebody is not affected by what you've been through, it doesn't really matter to them. They don't really, you know, it's like, oh, okay, fine. And they think you're being dramatic. That just may not be the right person. Because I believe that your person, that person that really is out there for you, that God has for you, will be affected by what you've been through. Here's one other thing I would say about trauma. Don't be surprised when you're sharing your life with someone or you're sharing your heart and these traumas come up. It's okay. They're coming up because it's time for those areas to be healed. And this is when we don't like, we, everybody wants to talk about relationships being all lovey-dovey and all of that. And yes, there, there's a great part of that that works and it's true. But the real work is the work around our traumas. And a great relationship isn't just about the lovey-dovey, but it's about, oh, you know what? I'm here for you and I'm going to hold space for you as you do this work and as I participate as much as you need me to. This to me is next level uh, loving. This is next level relationship. When our traumas don't push us apart, but they actually bring us closer together. And that's deep right there because that ain't talked about enough. Like a lot of social media is throwing it out there where everything has to be microwave. We live in a microwave society right now because of social media. And you got all these women empowerment people out here, these pandering dudes and all this other stuff will have people thinking that because you come across a quote unquote red flag that it's time to it's time to go. Everything once you experience some red flag or something that makes you uncomfortable is struggle love or it, it's whatever. I talked about it on last episode. And we have to realize that everything takes work. Everything takes work. Happiness takes work. Success takes work. Love takes work. Life takes work. Everything takes work. But social media and these people on social media who are humans just like us will have you thinking that if any form of struggle or work you have to put in and when it comes to a relationship or a partnership then this is struggle love or it is beneath you or it's negative or you shouldn't be going through that and that's wrong why is it that it's acceptable to put work into getting a thousand degrees. It's acceptable to put in work to get a great body. It's acceptable to put in work to build a house. It's acceptable to put in work for whatever else. But when it comes to a relationship or a partnership, you ain't supposed to put in no work.
ว่า why that speaks to what you've gone through in your life that speaks to your attachment styles that speaks to your trauma some people are runners so their attachment style might be an avoidant attachment style some people are people pleasers so they might have an anxious attachment style some people might be in the middle Would they be both? So they might have a disorganized attachment style. From the research and the reading and the the tests that I've gone through, I, I it comes across that I might have a I might have a disorganized attachment style. I'm a I'm a I'm a little bit in the middle. I can be a runner and I can also be an anxious attachment person. But I had to learn over the years by going through therapy because I just said this. What I guess last episode, or episode before that, that I thought that once you found the person, that everything's supposed to be perfect, that everything's supposed to come together. But since I've been going to therapy, I understood that you have to put in work on yourself to be prepared for that relationship or that partnership. And even when you in that relationship or that partnership. There's still work to be done because it's two totally individuals coming together, two uniquely individuals coming together, and y'all going to trigger each other, and y'all going to become mirrors to each other. But you have to be open and have conversations and and be able to connect with each other in a certain way to have some sort of progression. I had some more clips for this episode, but I'm gonna save them um, because I don't want to uh, get too far ahead. So I'm gonna make this 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 episode is gonna be a two part. I'm gonna make this episode a two part. So the next couple of um, clips that I had saved for this episode, I'm gonna uh, do them for next episode and make this a two part. Because they all relevant. Because the the upcoming clips that I had was about um, connection versus attachment, love bombing versus authentic love. So they're very relevant to the to the last two clips that I played, and just the overall conversation about you know just understanding that. There's work that you have to do, and there's also a level of trauma that you will experience when you are dating, when you are in a relationship or partnership, when you are married or whatever you want to, whatever label you want to put on your romantic relationship, even outside of that, your friendships, because it's a a lot of. The consistent relationships that we go through are friendships. Everybody's not always in a romantic relationship. A lot of the relationships that we experience on a consistent basis will be in the workplace and as well as friendship. So a lot of the things that you experience in your childhood with your mom and your dad or whoever raised you or just overall in your childhood. You're going to experience and be triggered by a lot of those things through your friendships and your work relationships as well. 
And I'll go into further, you know what I'm saying? I always use myself as an example. So, you know, it is what it is. But I'm in the episode here. Taste to Consider Podcast. Make sure you go to a taste to consider.com. I got um the apparel up there, the therapy and heel shirts for men and women. I also have the signature shirts up there for men and women. And um at the moment I only have the men's shirts up there for the how's your mental health bro um how's your mental health bro shirts up there and that was only for the men so taste to consider.com um check that out uh what else greatest i am blog.com mental health blog um i will be having a new blog coming soon i know i've been saying that for a while but timing is timing and right now is not the time that um i want to write the new blog but um, a taste to consider network on YouTube. Uh, the most recent podcast episodes are up there. And I got some stuff that I'm working on as well, like I've been saying. But like I said, time and this time. And then um, so I'm just waiting to get that stuff done for some of the new stuff for the network. Uh, 100th episode is coming up soon. So uh, we'll see what, what happens with that. Uh, shout out to all the listeners, the followers. Make sure you like, share, download, subscribe, all that good stuff. Support me, you know what I'm saying? If you rock with me, do whatever you support me however you um you want to support me. Um let me see. Do I have a song to end this off on? Uh let me see. Let me see. I don't think I have a song to end this off on. I think I could just end it here, but I appreciate all the listeners, followers, subscribers. Uh, Taste to Consider Network on Instagram. Greatest.i.am.blog on Instagram. Uh, the the T-H-E.taste underscore underscore on Instagram. Either way, if that's the wrong handle on for my main page on Instagram, uh, my main page is attached to a taste to consider network on Instagram. So, you know what I'm saying? Follow, do all the good stuff. Shout out to everybody. I appreciate you and we out.